0: From the beautiful love story between Danny and Jamie to the toxic and tragic love affair between Peter and Rebecca, The Haunting of Bly Manor shows us how deeply haunted one can be by lost love and how ghosts can manifest from both our guilt and our loneliness. While it relies less on the more direct ghostly scares that can be found in The Haunting of Hill House, its focus on tragedy works its way into your heart and will possess your dreams for many nights to come. On this... Our second bone-chilling binge mini we will be covering Mike Flanagan's second season of The Haunting, The Haunting of Bly Manor.
1: The girls who cried be horror.
0: Oh, hello, <sighs> children. Hello, creeps. We're back. We promised at least an episode a week, and we were not going to give up that promise. We
2: have been recording, recording, recording. Constantly. we've been working real fucking hard for you
0: so you're welcome
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun it's been a good month
0: it really has i mean like october is always for both of us i yeah. feel like is a busy month um on top of anything else that we have going on in our lives just because like we're just taking in so much content and we're just like getting ready for the big night that as that is halloween whatever that means for us um so, yeah, it's like my favorite month of the year. I think it is for both of us. Um,
2: absolutely. But also,
0: it's like I do need time to recuperate afterward.
2: Oh, like, yeah, I mean, this entire month has just been me like working from home and then immediately watching like two movies that Greg and I have set aside, and then trying to watch Bly Manor and trying to do podcast stuff and trying to like go out into the world and exercise and like look at any yeah. other human being in the face. So it's been a lot, but it's 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 nice. I like it. I'm having a great time. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Um. Okay. So, mm-hmm. as we said, um, and hopefully you guys have listened to our Hill House episode, or the very least seen Hill House. Um. So, of course, you know, there's no way we were not going to cover Blind Manor. Um, it came out. We both just finished watching it. Um, and of course we have to discuss. So, literally, this is we watched Hill House. We love Hill House. We both watched it twice through. We've only watched this one once. I'm sure that at least. Speaking on my own account, I'm definitely going to watch again. Um,
2: but, Alex, give yes. me your, your overall feelings now that you've finished the season. Yes. I mean, I also – I would love to rewatch it. I mean, Greg has not watched it yet, so I'm kind of hoping that he wants to soon so that I can mm-hmm. just rewatch it with him. Um, but, yeah, so first of all, as I like to say, don't listen to this episode if you haven't watched the show because content this good. I really feel like you need to experience it. And then you can come listen to us, and then we'll like talk about it, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, yeah, I know, me too." And then it'll be fun. (laughs) So, spoilers abound, everybody. Um, And I don't—I feel like we're both on the same page with this. I'd like to get it out of the way now. I don't want to compare this to *Haunting of Hill House* because, in my opinion, *The Haunting of Hill House* is one of the greatest shows I've ever seen, and Mm -hmm. therefore, anything if I compare it directly to is going to come up short because it's not *The Haunting of Hill House*. Um, yeah. And even though, like, it's in the same, you know, show... Like, American Horror Story, like, we can compare seasons. Like, I don't want to do that because they're so drastically different. You know, the first season is very complex. There's so many characters. There's so... M- and, you are know, in two different time uh, times and, like, there's just a lot happening. So it's very, very, you know, rich and layered. Whereas I feel like this one is a more straightforward gothic kind of ghost story. There's definitely you know, time jumps and a lot of shit that we're going to get into with, Mm -hmm. you know, just memories and characters, but it feels a lot simpler than Haunting of Hell House was, so I don't really want to, you know, say, oh, well, this one's, like, not as good as Haunting of Hell House, because it's... I I can't compare them. So I just want to say that first of all. Um, But as a show in and of itself, I liked it. I mean, I liked it a lot. I thought it was very good. I think that... The second half for me was a lot stronger than the first half because I feel like with Mike Flanagan, specifically with his television programming, he loves to kind of just plop you in and you have – you just learn things as you go. And, you know, there's a lot of foreshadowing and, you know, things you can pick up on and kind of figure out. But he really, like, drops the ball, like, mid-season and then everything starts to kind of piece itself together. So for me – While Hill House, the first five episodes, were my favorite, this season, the second half was, like, so much stronger for me, and I thought that the ghosts, specifically the Lady in the Lake, is probably one of the most terrifying images I think I've ever seen.
1: Mm.
2: I will get, when we talk about her, I have, like, a whole thing, because I'm, I still am, like, I've had nightmares two nights in a row because of this fucking woman.
0: Oh my god, I can't wait to hear
2: this. She's just, I just, oh, I can't, Okay, we'll get into it. So I thought the ghosts were great. I thought the story was, you know, pretty good. I mean, I liked it. I liked all the characters. Um, We got a real fucking sexy man up in here. So. Mm, Don't start. I I know. (laughs) You know, we're going to talk for like 40 minutes about fucking Oliver Jackson. What was
0: your opinion on the show? Let
2: me talk about Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's it. I mean, there were certain things that I didn't love, but for the most part, I thought, overall, it was very, very good time. I recommend it. I mean, I, like we said in the last episode, Mike Flanagan does not know how to make bad content. So this is just kind of another example that he physically can't fail, you know? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay, that's my spiel. Your turn.
0: Um, okay, well, yeah, I mean... I want to reiterate, kind of, just quickly, what you said about Hill House mm-hmm. in the fact that, like, if I if we bring up Hill House in this episode, it's more so because there are Hill House Easter eggs in Blind Manor, and there's definitely parallels in the way that the story is told or it unfolds. But as you said, like, and I and I said this too in my letterbox review. Follow me on letterbox, <laughs> um, is that there. Two completely different entities. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's similarities in the fact that, like, they exist within the same overall, you know, anthology horror series, I guess we're calling it now. And they're both, you know, Mike Flanagan works and shit like that. Um, But, you know, Haunting of Hill House is this, like, you know, dark familial horror drama um, that, like, focuses a lot on, like, familial relationships and childhood trauma and, like, mental health. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is completely different in the sense that it's by manner is a Gothic romance. Mm -hmm. So already that's different and its focus is more on love, not so much familial love as like romantic love and like, you know, what it means to like, or, or the fear really that you have of, you know, losing yourself in that or giving yourself over to it. And, once you do, the fear of like what it feels like to lose that person mm-hmm. that you've given so much of yourself to. Um, do I personally, did I personally enjoy Haunting of Hill House more? Yes, but I think that's something where it's like, I don't think one is, I'm not gonna say one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I like watching one more? Sure, just like people are gonna, I'm like a fucking, you know an album have a you know a different song that's their favorite it doesn't make one song the better one because i don't cuz i would say if i thought that like something about blind Manor was like you know you know clearly lesser
1: mm-hmm. which
0: i think it's easy to feel that way going in because of the fact that you're saying if you like latch on to like i love hill house i love hill house i love hill house all you're going to look for is like, this isn't Hill House. This isn't Hill House. Right. Which I had to break myself out of. And why I was like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, I'm not giving any opinions on this. I'm not talking about it until I finish the whole series. And I let it sit with me as a whole. And I accept it for what it is as a whole. And once I did that, at the end, I was kind of like, yeah, I can't say that this is better than Hill House or lesser than Hill House. It's different. Like, do I connected more with a familial story because I've never been in love with somebody. So yeah, Hill House connected with me more. But I also was affected emotionally and shit like that by Blind Manner. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I finished that rant, um, I liked Blind Manner. I had a great time with Blind Manner. Um, it didn't scare me as much, I think, because as I said, there's less like in not even because Hill House isn't even in your face, but for lack of a better way of putting it it's less in your face with the ghosts and the scares in that sense
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um it's more this sense of like foreboding throughout um but also it's once again when i went into hill house i didn't know what the fuck to expect which so it caught me off guard and scared the shit out of me um whereas this one i kind of went in you know knowing the deal from hill house so was very alert and like ready for anything Mm -hmm. although the lady of the lake um the romance of certain old clothes episode did get me. I did jump at one point. Um, which part, um, the chest, the chest moment. Yeah. Um, which I know you're gonna want to talk about that episode, so we'll save it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my biggest takeaway is just like accepting it for what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really heartbreaking. I thought Oliver Jackson Cohen, which will be a whole goddamn plot point that we have to talk about. Um, (laughs) like beyond me thirsting like outrageously and embarrassingly so over him um he once again delivers because as we said he he does such a good job in like you know obviously in hill house he's like this sweet you know troubled man whereas in this he also comes across sweet and definitely troubled but he also has a much much darker part of him Mm -hmm. um and he does he plays that so well like he did in The Invisible Man. Yeah. Um although in The Invisible Man I feel like they didn't even attempt to give him redeeming qualities, which is fine. He doesn't need them in that movie. Um he is just an abusive, horrible person. Um but like his performance in um the what is the, the two faces part two. Mm-hmm. Like, in which he's, like, addressing his mother. Like, he just, like, knocked the fucking air out of me with his performance. That episode, in general, I'm going to want to talk about. But, yeah. It's, once again, just, like, killer performances all around from everybody. Like, you know, so much tragedy. Uh, Yeah, I would wholly recommend this season as well. I think think it's great because I think that there are people, like, my friend Emily, who... Shout out Emily. She, you know, she's very easily scared. She, like, cannot do it. Like, I would be surprised if she could sit through, like, you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Um, no, no she had Emily. It's who she is. But she, when she found out there was a lesbian storyline, she was like, I have to watch. So she mustered up some courage, watched with our friend and her roommate, Isabel. She's not seen Hell House, which is a great thing about this shit, too, where it's like, you don't have to have seen one season to watch the other. And I think that there's people that are going to enjoy Bly Manor mm-hmm. more than they enjoyed Hill House and vice versa because of the fact that they address different things and they, they have the same essence in like, you know, being a haunted house story and, you know, the way that they they talk about what ghosts really are and the fact that they're like Mike Flanagan vehicles. Um But they're different enough where it's like, if something about Hill House didn't work for you, I think things about Blind Manor could work for you and vice versa.
2: Yeah. And I know that we both personally know people who either didn't finish or didn't like Hill House because it was just so heavy and hard to get through because it is just so emotional. So I feel like, you know, while Blind Manor is not like fucking happy and joyful all the time, it's, I think it's a little bit less depressing in the end you know i think it gives you more time to breathe it absolutely does and i mean even i think it, it does that with the ghosts too because like you said how it's just like kind of this like foreboding feeling where everything just feels kind of spooky and off and like dark and then the times when there are the ghosts like they fucking jump out at you out of nowhere so the scares i feel like personally are more effective in blind Manor* because they come so quickly um and there are so few and far between that like it really milks it for all it's worth so yeah there's so much to take from both series in completely different ways um but Bly Manor is it's very impressive and I am excited to talk about it yeah
0: and before you, I jump in because I have some questions I'm gonna pose for you um so we can really hit the ground running and get to Peter Quint um oh God. <laughs> I'm gonna pop along talk about this motherfucker. Um, is what you said about ghosts, because, mm-hmm. like, in Hill House, because I kept thinking, I was like, Hill House definitely has more ghosts, def- definitely has more ghosts. Then I was like, does it? I don't think so. But then the whole thing that clicked for me, and it just clicked for me really right now when you're talking about it, is, like, Hill House, you know, we follow the Crane family. And, you know, it's not a spoiler, because I'm assuming y'all have seen it or listened to our episode, and if you haven't, that's on you. Um, none of them are ghosts until now it becomes the bent neck lady but for most of the show up until episode five you don't know that so she just the bent neck lady is her own entity and her own ghost mm-hmm. and then you know the dad at the end and the mom at the end being ghosts but for the most of the series like the ghosts are these like for these scary entities whether it be bent neck lady the bowler hat man whatever the fuck her name is with the screaming memes mm-hmm. like there's, like, the old lady in the bed at one point, like, and then there's a, a lot more just, like, random ghosts. I mean, there's the guy fixing the clock that mm-hmm. Steven didn't realize was a ghost, shit like that, where in, th- in Blind Manor, the main focus of, like, a scary ghost, it feels like, is the lady in the lake.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then other than that, you just have, like, your classic hidden ghosts. You have the little boy who I was obsessed with. <laughs> I wanted more of the little doll face boy. He was so fucking cute. Oh, my God. I thought um, he was terrifying. Oh, no, he was so cute. I was like, oh, my God, do I need to get a dollhouse in my room so this motherfucker will come in and play with it? Um, (sighs) Beautiful. I'm deranged. But then I realized it's like, well, most of the ghosts this season are the main cast. Mm -hmm. That you don't realize are ghosts yet. Or even when you do realize – Mm -hmm. They're not scary in the sense of like, oh my god, here comes a spooky ghost. It's like scary because of like, if it's Peter Quint and his, you know, fucked up actions. Or like shit like that. Where it's like, yeah, then like half of the cast just becomes ghosts. Mm -hmm. But then still actively are in the episodes as if there were normal living characters. So I was like, there definitely are the same amount of ghosts. They're just, once again, differences given to us in different forms. Right. Um but enough about that. Let us start with who was your favorite character of this
2: season? Oh boy. Okay, um Owen. Oh, good choice. Owen is my favorite. I love him. I would marry him. I want to bake with him. I want to eat off his spatula. That's not even his. Oh a my zo-. god. <laughs> I Oh yeah. Owen was just like a fucking delight. I think I loved him. I mean, there's there's 3 I guess you could, are you, oh my god, no, there's like four or five, Jesus, there's so many different love stories going on within the show, and while all of them, in their own right, are tragic, for me, I think the Hannah and Owen romance was the most tragic, because they're both just two very kind, warm, welcoming people who secretly loved each other so deeply, and by the time they finally made any kind of move to be together it was too late and I find right. that so much more tragic than you know having a love for t- 10 15 years and then losing them because at least you had that where Hannah and Owen were kind of just these two figures whose their paths never fully crossed the way that they needed to and he deserved love so deeply and I just I want to love him and Owen is my favorite hands down I mean oh that's and a he's a cutie choice. pie. Look at that mustache. He's so cute. He's so oh my cute.
0: fucking God. And yeah, like, you know, I'd help just being like a handsome man, mm-hmm. then, you know, him being like a good cook, but then like really silly and he loves his puns. Oh my God. Like, you know, it's so hard not to swoon over Mm -hmm. him um and then at the end of course when he ends up getting his restaurant in paris where he obviously had asked hannah to come to paris mm -hmm. with him which is as you said so tragic because it's like she didn't make the decision to finally like kind of give in to like how she was feeling and like take a chance and go to paris with him until she was dead
2: yeah and she she didn't even
0: realize in that moment yet she Mm -hmm. was dead um it's <sighs> it's horribly tragic but then he has like the framed photo of her oh my god in i know restaurant in Paris. i was like y'all gonna <sighs> sort of fuck me
2: oh i know yeah owen is just like so my type the sensitive kind weird annoying funny cutie patootie oh i know let me okay i'm gonna like i need. Mean, i'm gonna ask you your favorite characters but i'm gonna take a wild fucking guess and say it's peter <laughs> <Fuck> quint <you. laughs> It's so funny you said that because it is Peter Quint.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Okay.
2: No, wait. Is it Peter Quint or is it Oliver Jackson Cohen?
0: Okay, bitch. I don't even want to. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. But the thing is, guys, here's what I want to lay out for you. I just want to lay this out for everyone listening. We're in quarantine. But you know what? I can't even use that as an excuse because I'd be this fucking horned up for this motherfucker quarantine or not. It's more so that I'm in quarantine and I'm just stuck with myself fucking 24 hours a day and my own thoughts and unless Instagram. I let them consume me and and Instagram, which I, <laughs> I gave in, you guys. I fucking followed him on Instagram. I don't. Yeah. The way I look... that I, like,
2: need therapy. <laughs> I look forward to the many, many mornings when I wake up to see you at, like, 4 a.m. texting me photos of him. I can't wait. It's like, I already started. I've I have already really started doing that. <laughs> Sorry, I can't, can't wait to continue.
0: Okay, okay, okay. The thing is, like, Peter Quinn is a Obviously, yes, Oliver Jackson Cohen. I love him because I think that he's he's so fucking handsome. I want to fucking eat chocolate off his fucking chest hair. Like, That's disgusting, but also same. Honestly, like, chest hair does something to me, bitch. It, like, brings out this animalistic shit in me. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking swear to God. Ugh. Dude oh my god I like oh fuck 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 this is like me being too horny on the podcast we like cannot be doing this um anyway he's so fucking handsome but he's so fucking talented like and then you know Peter Quint is a character it's like he's not a really good guy but this is what I will say and you know what I will fully own up to like someone listening to this could be like girl you are making excuses you are reaching and you know maybe I am you know what? I would I would go on market right now and say, if this motherfucker asked me if he could possess me forever, you know how quickly if you, it's me, it's us would come out
2: of my mouth. Are you pulling a Millie Bobby Brown right now on um, on you? <laughs> when he was when she was like, I don't get it. I think Penn Badgley just like loves her. He like really cares about her. <laughs> the way that
0: I was like, someone get this child away from Instagram.
2: Yeah, that's what um, I'm going to say about you now.
0: <laughs> literally, I... Melly girl, I understand now. I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> but what I will say about this is, like, okay, first of all, like, Joe from You, or the fuck, it's Joe, right? Yeah. yeah. He's on, like, another fucking tier of crazy, horrible. This is what I'm going to say about Peter Quinn. Do I excuse his actions? No. But I do appreciate what they did for his character, especially in The Two Faces Part 2. Mm-hmm because of the fact that you know up to this point you know we see him be Mr. Smooth, Mr. Charming. We get it, girl. We get it, Miss Rebecca Jessel. Um I would do the same shit. Um like motherfucker. The the episode the two faces part 1 in which we see the beginning of their romance and once again, you know, we get, you know, the night that he, like, has to stay because it's raining and they're, like, sitting on the couch in front of the fireplace and his, like, fingers, like, lightly touch hers. Hmm. Mm, arousal on astronomical, bitch. Like, yeah.
2: I, I watched that episode before Anya did and I immediately texted her and was yeah. like, the accent that comes out of his mouth is going to destroy you and I just need you to prepare yourself because it's a lot mm-hmm. and I'm i'm feeling a lot of ways about it so i can't like, only imagine how you would be feeling it's so funny because when you texted
0: me you were like you said some wild shit you said did some I? truly controversial shit because you said oh God. i think that he's gonna replace dan stevens for you
2: oh i did say that and i because do think dan so.
0: stevens some of you might not know, know this because we haven't talked about him surprisingly on the podcast even though i would most likely have found a way eventually here it is it's happening right now um Ever since I watched The Guest, which I'm not going to talk about because it's more of my mental illness leaking out, <laughs> I have been obsessed. It's been sickening. He consumes my every thought. Um, so when she said this, I was like, this bitch is on one. Like, rewatching watching <laughs> Hill House, was I like, ooh, delicious, Oliver Jackson Cohen, love him. I have a little crush. Yes, but I was like you know, Dan Stevens, Dan Stevens, Dan Stevens, you know, playing on loop. Um, my fucking shining typewriter was typing Dan Stevens, Dan Stevens, Dan Stevens over and over again. And then, bitch, <laughs> I watched this fucking episode and I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? Um, and I, like, gave it a day and I was like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, it was not. Immediately. Then I was like, every night when I was watching an episode, I was like, um, so uh, where's Peter Quinn? But where's Peter Quinn? Has anyone seen Peter Quint? Where is Peter Quint? I became (laughs) Rebecca Jessel after that motherfucker dies, and I was like, where is he? Um, But yeah, and then, of course, also in the episode, we get him knocking on Rebecca Jessel's door in the middle of the night. And I was Mm -hmm. like, y'all are really trying to fuck me up. Y'all are like, here's the shovel, bitch. Start digging your grave. And I was like, I will gladly do so. Because he shows up. Of course, he's, like, fucking shirtless. Chest hair on, immaculate. (laughs) Like... Fuck! Oh my god, and he has like big thick eyebrows,
2: girl. <laughs> y'all gonna make me start acting
0: real horny on this podcast. Um, oh,
2: yeah, we're gonna make you do that.
0: <laughs> y'all are making me act up. Y'all are making me do this. Um, oh, god damn it. Um, so, is there
2: anything about his character other than his appearance <laughs> just, that like, you like? like?
0: I really love his chest hair.
2: <laughs> um, oh, he's yes. the most dynamic Wait. character because he has thick ass eyebrows. Oh
0: my god. God. okay i have just literally focus 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 mm-hmm. focus um but in the episode the two pieces part two because up to that point as i was trying to say before i truly you know let my fucking horny demons take over um was that we're kind of just getting the charm and shit like that and then we also kind of see like you know him being controlling of um, mm-hmm. rebecca in the same episode in which he's like he doesn't want her to leave the bedroom he wants to be there all day and she's like well like, i have to work like relax king like i'll be back like and then, of course, with Owen in the kitchen, when he's, like, has everyone taste the batter to give their opinion of, like, what it needs oh more my god. Of and shit like that, and Peter is, like, actively, like, watching her smoking a cigarette, once again, so fucking hot. Um, <laughs> it had, had to say it, had to get out. Um, we didn't know. If you guys didn't catch, I'm, like, really attracted to him, um but he then of course then addresses her later and it's like you would put like anything he asked you in in your mouth and she's like what are you talking about and of course because like she's so enamored with him wh- where most people would be like i know the fuck you did not speak to me like that mm-hmm. like she's just like so worried that she's like upset him and she's like what are you talking about like i don't understand he like walks out on her and then a few episodes later we get him in i think episode five hannah's episode he comes back and is like, "Oh, I like I, I not even remember doing that," and you know, kind of making excuses for himself and blah blah. blah. And just once again talking about how much he loves her and blah blah. blah. And the thing about him is like, he definitely does genuinely love her, or like thinks he loves her. Mm-hmm. He's confusing love with possession, which is a huge thing about their relationship. Yeah. Um. But the thing about the episode, the Chief is part two, that really made me be like, I really am invested in his character, even even as a bad character is one. He's like he's bringing the drama, girl. I want some drama. You know I love a man that can stir some shit up. Um but the whole memory that he gets tucked away in once he dies is this memory of his mother coming who like like Luke's character in Hill House, I believe, is a drug abuser or whatever, mm-hmm. but she comes to him and he, you know, clearly did not come from a rich family. He had to work his way up. He doesn't really live in luxury now still. He like works as a fucking valet. Um, and, like, a personal assistant to Henry Wingrave. Um, but, you know, we kind of get, we start to get a sense of where he came from more. And, like, there's a reveal when he goes through the last loop, the last time having to live through, that we see, at least, um, this memory of his mother, where, first of all, like, Oliver Jackson-Cohen is, like, brought to tears in this. And it's, like, so powerful. But he talks about how, growing up, his father abused him, and his mother, never did anything about it she made excuses and she sat idly by and i, I think he's making men, i don't know he, they don't say it which i think is done more so trying to like be respectful about it not like having to overtly be like he did this mm-hmm. um but it seems like it was possibly sexual abuse mm-hmm. because you know he talks about it happening at night and he talks about how like You know even like other kids coming over and she like let that happen so possibly his father sexually abused multiple children um and then of course he's like in the great literally this one like fucking broke me this line is like you know his mother who like isn't really his mother it's like a memory of his mother but clearly he doesn't have a good memory of her you know he's saying like i you know you you let that happen you like did nothing you like let him abuse me which of course you know When people are abused, it can create a cycle of abuse, which is why he's one of the reasons that he's abusive to Rebecca in the way of like having to control her and possess her. But it's also because he came from nothing. He's never had anything that when he sees this thing that's like perfection in his eyes, which is Rebecca, everyone loves her, everyone wants her and shit like that, not wants her sexually, but like wants to be around her, he has to possess that. He's never had wealth in any sense. So once he gets her, that's why he's so possessive of her, which doesn't make it right. Um, but his mother says, um, you know, if your father knew where you were, like, he'd kill you. And like, you know, tears streaming down his face. He says, you killed me, mom. You killed me the day that you came here and you asked me to do this, which what she's asking him to do is steal from Bly Manor, the Wingraves. um to help her pay off like her debts or like just pay her off so that she won't essentially let people know the life that he came from. Won't ruin this image that he's tried to build up for himself of being like this well-off man and this like, you know, higher up in society, even though as his sister Rebecca, he knows that he's not that. And he never will be that because they'll never let him be that, which is what he wants so desperately. But yeah, I just felt like I was like, and maybe once again, this is me thirsting after Oliver Jackson-Cohen, but I was like, oh my god, I want more of this. Like, I I love a flawed character. Like, I love a, a villain, per se, but that where we get some, like, not even, I don't even know how to phrase it correctly, where it's just like, once again, not excusing the shit that he does, because then obviously then he, like, opts to take the children's lives from them for him right. and Rebecca, which, like... Once again, it's like she talks about how like he's so controlling. I just think his character is really, really interesting to me. Like you know how he's so controlling. Like the way that he in that same episode, he we see that he possessed Rebecca. You know, convinced her like we'll be together because you won't die. I'll just possess you, and that our souls essentially will be one. We can live in this memory of the times we were together forever. So we'll never have to be apart. But because while he's possessing her body. They're both, they're both, their consciousness, I guess, is both in his mind, but he also has to, like, actively walk through life by himself without her there physically. So, of course, he opts to kill her. And, like, that scene also is so powerful. Um, When she's, like, screaming, seeing her body in the lake.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, oh my fucking god, bro. Um, But yeah, I'm going on to, like, other questions that I have for us. But yeah, I <laughs> okay. really. Definitely Peter Quint. Um, mm, I'm ready. I'm available. This vessel is open and willing to be possessed, sir. Um, let me know. Let the me know.
2: horror that you would feel if he ever listened to this episode and heard you say these oh things. Oh my, bro.
0: Well, oh my fucking, I'm just going to say this right now for my own well-being. Oliver Jackson Cohen, if you are listening to this episode, I want you to know a few things. Oh, Jesus One, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that I have um, put myself on blast like this. Um, It's embarrassing. It's not cute. But I want you to also know, I am cute. I'm actually smoking fucking hot. Um, And she's humble. I'm humble. I'm literally the most humble bitch you will ever meet. (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Okay, moving on.
0: (coughs) jesus i'm sorry i want to say i'm sorry um but i think you should still give me a chance because i will i'll do things for you baby i'll do things that these other girls won't because i have no self-respect anya um so i love you and i pray to jesus that you never hear this because you never listen to this so moving on um I kind of already leaked my answer to this in my last answer to the previous question, but do you have a favorite episode? I'm pretty sure we know what it is, but let's talk
2: about it. Oh, do we know? You probably do. I think it's (laughs) the romance of certain old clothes. It is. Um, Which was surprising because typically when I'm watching any kind of TV show where there's like one episode where it flashes back to like hundreds of years in the past, I'm usually like, oh, I don't really care um yeah, like, yeah these aren't these aren't the characters i'm following and this is also like a completely different setting and like time and just everything like everything about it is different but first of all i was waiting for kate siegel to pop up and i was so pleased when she appeared because yes she's incredible i'm obsessed with her i think even more because i love victoria pedretti but like kate siegel man she's really she's amazing and I I couldn't imagine this season without her in it. And I was so pleased to see her. And I was also so pleased to see the actress from Absentia who played her sister. Because Mike Flanagan loves to have his, like, actors. He has all his, you know, regulars. So I was very excited to see her because she was great in I Absentia. didn't realize. You
0: know what I realized? Because I looked mm-hmm. it up. It's the same woman. She's also in Hill House. She's the one that's the screaming Mimi's lady. Oh, she's
2: Poppy? Yeah, I didn't realize. Oh, you're right. I,
0: look, I looked her up and I was like... I know I know this woman. What do I know her from? I am to be. And I immediately saw a picture from this Absentia. And I was like, oh, love that he brought her back. But then I also saw a picture of um, Poppy or whatever. And I was like, no way. Is it her? And then you look at it for a second and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, it's for
2: sure her. Once you say that, yeah. I mean, I think <clears throat> from Hill House and Absentia, she looks very different. Because, I mean, yes. there's a good chunk of time that passed. So I didn't recognize her. But I did recognize her from yeah i mean it makes a lesson she looks exactly the same obviously because House was two years ago um mm-hmm. but i also looked her up and i saw absentia and i was like oh my god so cool but that episode was just i mean i'm someone who plant your seeds all day long give me little hints and clues here and there but then when you get to the reveal episode i'm so invested and i feel like the reveal for hannah which i feel like was supposed to be the big reveal for the first half of the season kind of fell flat for me because, I don't know about you, but I kind of picked up within the first, like, five minutes of her being on screen that she was dead, like, I knew immediately from, like, That's the That's first... so
0: interesting because I did not at all. Oh, really? I definitely picked up that something was going on because she kept, you know, being, like, you know, clearly kind of, like, a little bit of a space cadet mm-hmm. moment and then also, you know, saying shit like, oh, I've already eaten and stuff like that where it's, like, you know something's going on, like... If you're watching a show like this, especially if you've seen Hill House, you know reveals are coming, you know everybody's got a backstory. So you know you're gonna get told eventually, but you start you try to like figure it out. You're like, why can't she eat or whatever? And it didn't click for me because in Hill House, we don't really get a lot until the very, very end of like people being ghosts and interacting with people without them realizing they're dead. Right. So that was new in Bly Manner for me. And I remember from the trailer her just like having a moment of like talking to Owen and being like I'm having other people's dreams or whatever the fuck she says so like I thought like maybe she's possessed or Hmm. like I don't know just like I I don't even know but so when that reveal hot when she's like getting stuck in that loop I did not realize literally until she gets shoved by miles down miles possessed as by Peter down the well and I was like shut the fuck and then of course it's a classic like bent neck lady revelation of like which you know which was also episode five of that series Mm -hmm. a parallel there I mean there's so many parallels um but yeah I when you told me that you like kind of knew it was happening I I believed you but I was also like (laughs) damn um I did not just trying to look
2: cool Like Oh, I totally knew. I totally knew. knew. (laughs) No, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, from the very first time that she was like, oh, no, I'm not going to eat. I was like, okay, so she's dead. I don't know. It just, it kind of just, like, was obvious to me. And I know Christine also, like, picked it up pretty quickly, too. I'm Mm -hmm. very jealous that you didn't and that you got to have that big reveal because I feel like episode five is meant to be so impactful. And for me, it was just kind of, like, running in circles, waiting for them to get to the information that I already knew And so when Miles pushed her, I was like, thank you. Okay, can we move on to, like, something else? Because I I just felt like this was very obvious. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just super smart. My brain's just really big, so... Your brain's
0: just, like, fucking huge, My brain
2: is so big in my tiny-ass head. Um, But, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like for that reveal for the first half, I was kind of just, like, underwhelmed because I was like, okay, I kind of wanted them to, like, shock me, and it didn't really happen. So that's why I like episode eight so much because we got to see the evolution of the lady in the lake and obviously I didn't know anything about like who the fuck she was what was going on with her and I think at that point we're starting to figure out what's going on with their faces why they have no faces when they are ghosts for x amount of time and I mean I love Kate Siegel which is part of why I love that episode but I just think the lady in the lake is one of the most terrifying ghosts i've seen in recent media because really not a lot scares me but i Mm -hmm. have a thing for when people's faces don't look like a normal face so like Mm -hmm. black-eyed kids like really freak me out Mm -hmm. because they look like half human half doll like it's just the uncanny of like there's something not quite right which i mean is just like a massive like Um, theme within gothic literature and you know cinema in general so it fits super well but yeah just the uncanny like she has a face but she doesn't have a face it's like melted away there's no features it was just so haunting to me and when she was like dripping wet with her black hair and the way she just like fucking death gripped people in the throat like so aggressively I it just like haunted me like I, I watched episodes seven and eight before going to bed and I like could not sleep because I just kept fucking seeing the lady in the lake in my head and I had nightmares all night and then last night I oh my was god like, okay. what were
0: the nightmares did she choke Slam you
2: kind of I mean she was like oh, oh my she god like, she was like in the background of a lot of it because like my dreams are wild but she mm-hmm. was there and then I like would wake up in the middle of the night and be like is she here and then last night I was like okay I gotta finish it I'm sure there's gonna be more of her uh, but like let's just do it and the same shit happened but There's this one image that I just want to make note of because Mm -hmm. it's the, like, I think it's the image that, like, burned itself into my brain, which is why I'm so afraid of her. It was one of the nights after she dies and she is, you know, doing her walk from the lake to the house. And it's right when she's starting to forget herself. Mm -hmm. And so her face is starting to melt away. But Mm -hmm. it's, like, not fully gone yet. So it's, like, this weird half human, half like wax type face and she's it's the night that she finds the little boy and takes him and the the shot of from like his perspective of like her standing at his bedside like dripping wet with like barely a face was so fucking scary to me that I was like if I was him that's like the most terrifying ghost I could imagine it's like a Mm -hmm. woman looking like that just staring down on me Uh uh-uh Mike Flanagan good fucking job i ooh, like yeah i think overall the haunting of hell house ghosts as a whole are like more like spooky but as one unit lady in the lake just like fucking traumatized me the way that she would just she just came out of nowhere every time and she was just like gotcha you're mine now and when oh my god the last episode when she fucking opened her mouth and screamed oh oh i hated it when she was sing mm. when she was singing the song, but it was just coming out like, Ugh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, she – I just – I feel like, aside from Owen, Lady of the Lake is my favorite because in life, she was a cutthroat, selfish, boss-ass bitch. I, like – I didn't like her, but I also loved her. And mm. she, she loved her jewels, and she loved her daughter, and everyone else can fuck off. And then in death, she still had, like, all that rage – and obviously you know she did more damage which is very upsetting but we'll talk to talk about that but just as a whole I think her figure is so frightening and I think it's what made Bly Manor for me scarier than than Hill House Mm. what do you think of her
0: I mean yeah I got a lot to say that you brought her up um I mean, the episode that we first see her, I think, is episode five. Like fully see her, mm-hmm. which is when Peter's in the hallway talking to the kids oh my and God. like go back to bed. And you know, you're, you're up until this point, we're made to believe that Peter Quint, like you know, took the money and ran.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we're like, I'm like, up until this point, though, his character that we're actually seeing is so in love with Rebecca seemingly i mean like i say seemingly like he definitely thinks he's in love with her he, as i said he's confusing yeah. love with possession um so i'll just stay in love but y'all know what i'm talking about um <clears throat> so i'm like i can't imagine he would just leave her like what happens what happens and then out of the stark hallway like vroom vroom
2: bitch she like takes his throat dog i was like what the fuck that's what that's what i mean when i say that the fucking scares are they're fewer but they come in hot like that shit came out of nowhere and it scared the life out of me
0: yes like i was like holy son of a bitch um and then of course she's like dragging down the hall and of Mm -hmm. course my head because i haven't watched the whole series yet i would head was like no (laughs) No." (laughs) i was like he's gonna be gone from the series i need him for this whole fucking series like i was like don't kill him he's like literally like writhing she like drags his (laughs) body like but then, of course, like, in that moment's great, too, because then, like, she drags him into a room, kills him, supposedly, and then he walks back out like nothing happened, but he's mm-hmm. walking out as a ghost, and he doesn't realize he's a ghost yet until, like, Flora's doll goes through his hand, and then he sees his body being then redragged dragged by the lady downstairs. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, in the episode eight, like, it, sh- she's a really interesting character because, one, I want to make note of the jump scare that I saw earlier that scared me is when her sister opens the trunk of clothes that's supposed to be for her daughter – like I was, wa- I insisted that I watched this, an episode a night. I wanted to really take my time with it, and I would only watch it at night, like truly, like midnight. I would be watching the episodes, um, and when she opens the trunk, and you know, some shit's gonna happen. I thought her her ghost was gonna fully appear, and like mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, they'd have a fucking wrestling match. I don't fucking know, or she just choke her, I, whatever. Um, she pulls up this dress, and then like. In a split second, through the dress, the, just these, like, fucking, like, decaying arms come through and choke her. And it's, like, this, like, two-second shot. But it's, like, so quick and jarring. I, like, was lying in my bed and I, like, fully fucking jumped and almost threw my fucking laptop. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Like, and as you said, like, it, it takes a lot to scare me. Like, which is why I truly try to set up settings for myself where I can get scared. Because I like to get scared. Right. So, like, what, which is why I'm, like, watching it at night when everyone else is asleep with the lights off volume all the way up Mm -hmm. um even still I was like oh there's definitely like ooh spooky shit but even the fucking um Peter Quint choke like choke me daddy
2: (laughs) I'm no more (laughs) (laughs) you're cut off
0: um I couldn't help myself I set myself up and um that didn't it scared me in the sense of like oh my god what's happening but it didn't like make me go like yell or anything where like Mm -hmm. the dress one in episode 8 like fucking got me I was like (laughs) Jesus Christ nice um but she once again like Peter Quinn she is definitely a villainous character I mean she creates this Mm -hmm. like whatever they call it like this um this pull essentially yeah it's like like a force field of anger and rage yeah because she's a vengeful spirit type thing which if you die then on the property you get sucked into it um this gravity well I think Owen refers to it as um in which like you can't get out of it um so and obviously she's killing people and blah blah and like all this shit and like even when she was alive like you know, very stubborn, very selfish, um, you know, her sister, when their, like, distant cousin comes that they're gonna marry, clearly the sister who meets him first has a genuine, like, love and connection with him, but then she shows up and kind of, like, has no regard for that, and is kind of like, no, I'll be the one marrying him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, like, taking care of things, and her sister is, of course, you know, okay, yep, mm-hmm, even though there's still a love and attraction between her and this man, and then, of course, when, um, Viola is her name, right? Yes. Um, She grows sick with the lung. Um, She's abusive to her sister because, of course, going through this, I'm sure it's a lot of pain. And she's really upset because she's dying. And because of this, she, like, can't be close to her daughter because they don't want her to get sick and yada, yada, yada. And she has to sleep in a different bed from her husband. Mm -hmm. Um, She's even angry then. And, of course, like, anytime she thinks she sees her sister maybe getting a little too close to her husband, and she, like, acts out in rage and blah, blah, blah. And it is abusive. It is emotionally abusive and physically abusive to mm-hmm. her sister. So, like, she is also, like, you know, not this tragic character without blame. But in the same way that I found in Peter Quint, like, she's also a complex character in the sense of all that bad shit. You know, she's a scary evil ghost and was, like, not great in her life either. But then you think about the circumstances where, like, you know, because of the time that they lived in, women could not, like own property and shit like that so when their father died they had to like do they had to like do everything they could to keep this house and this manor within the family um and you know then she has this baby but then falls ill and can't even be with her daughter and that's the huge thing she wants to be with her daughter um which is why her spirit stays around um why she's angry when her sister opens the chest not only because her sister killed her because she couldn't take any more of the abuse but also because it's for her daughter and then when they you know grow up move out of the house and they toss the fucking chest in the lake it's devastating because it's like she not only has now been thrown away probably unbeknownst to her daughter and her husband but now she can never see her which is why then she becomes this ghostly walk every night of like hoping and kind of like not realizing where she is or what's going on that she's going to walk into that bedroom and there will be her little girl waiting for her the one that she for so many years couldn't touch couldn't be with couldn't fully be a mother to and when she's not she just like, grows more and more angry which is why anyone that gets in her way that is not her daughter they get chokeslammed i mean mm-hmm. so yeah i think she's a really really interesting character and a great ghost and like she definitely like was like the ghost of the season oh yeah i mean i mean hill house is interesting because like you could debate that there are multiple ghosts of the season because you have bent neck lady mm-hmm. but that's just now and now, is it's almost like the Lady is only an issue for now, but it then after episode five it is now. So yeah, I, would,
2: I would argue the main ghost of Hill House, if I had to pick one, was uh, Liv, their mother. Yeah, yeah, because and then but you can even argue then like but Poppy debatably right. pushed
0: Liv to that point. So was yeah, Poppy it's definitely more
2: like even ground in Hill House, whereas like I where feel this like... feels like overtly Lady of the Lake. You could yeah. argue Peter Quint for things
0: that also happen, but it really is like the Lady of the Lakes. Yeah. Moment everything to shine.
2: everything stems from Lady of the Lake. If she didn't exist, then nothing none, nothing would happen. None of these things would exist. But yeah, I mean solid choice for an episode. Thank you. I mean it was just it was very very well done, and like I said, the return of Kate Siegel is an important thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um so I would like to know what your thoughts are on the main love story between danny and jamie anything in particular did you find them to be the most tragic pair what did you think about them what did you think about her ghost that she lived with in the first half of the season any i just want to know your thoughts because it's like the like the main plot and it's what drives the entire structure of the the show too Oh, I mean, I thought it was great.
0: And it's so interesting as it's the most tragic because, mm-hmm. like,
2: I think the huge
0: main three, because also there's the Henry Wingrave one yes. where he's, like, having the affair with the mother. And, like, that's sad, but, like, kind of took a back burner for me just because his character takes the back burner for a lot of the show because he refuses to go back to the manor. Um, but I think the main three, which are um, Owen and... Oh, my God, why is her name Hannah. escaping me? Hannah. Owen and Hannah. Um... Peter and Rebecca, and then, um, oh my god, literally, why am I having a fucking stroke? Danny. Danny and Jamie, Jesus, um, are equally tragic. Um, I love them as the core of the show. One, because, I mean, yes, for, like, lesbian representation. Yeah. Um, But I think what's great about it is I feel like a lot of times and this is all media and you know kind of a lot of gay relationships you see in media is like either one they're definitely not the focal point it's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah we also gave you this like sprinkling of the gay relationship it just like happened like one episode like this is like developing over the entire series and they are the core Mm -hmm. like their love is the core but on top of that like a lot of times usually they also like kill off the gay characters and while obviously that happens it won. it doesn't happen until the last episode and it doesn't feel cheap in the way of like a lot of times I feel like it gets done in shows where it's like, you know, Oh, we're giving you the gay characters finally. And then we're going to kill immediately. Mm-hmm. Like they were giving this to us the whole time. The only reason that Danny dies is because it plays into the actual story. Like it isn't done to like almost kind of rip it away from us because they, you know, writers don't actually want to have to write a gay love story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's beautiful I mean like what's interesting and when you compare it to Peter and Rebecca is like you know Peter and Rebecca it was like both of them like they met each other they fell in love and they fell in love hard and fast like um like immediately like these motherfuckers (laughs) hadn't known each other a week before they were like I'm kind of like in love with you which once again girl I get it I get it um but then the whole thing was like they were talking about forever immediately you know, like, we're going to be other forever. And, like, in the episode, which was my favorite episode, um, the episode seven, the two faces part two, in which Peter is being, like, manipulative and, like, you know, telling her, like, well, I know how this can work. Like, you just have to accept me in forever. We just have to decide that we are forever. It's me, it's you, it's us forever. Like, and of course, you know, Rebecca gives into that and is manipulated by that and, you know, deals with the consequences. But, like, that's the tragedy in their relationship, or, like, there's much tragedy, but, like, you look at something like that where, like, they rush into it, they decide it's forever, and, like, they have to, they have to love each other fully and accept each other fully and decide everything right now that's going to be forever, which is not healthy. Where then you look at Jamie and Danny, who, like, they say, I think, in the last episode where, like, you know, after Danny has taken in the Lady of the Lake and sacrificed herself for uh, Flora and now has to live with this, you know, rage and ventral spirit that she's trying to keep at bay, but she knows will eventually overtake her, you know, she's afraid to commit to Jamie because she doesn't, she knows that this is going to happen. And instead of, you know, being like either one, like, well, you either have to say forever or never.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She's like, well, I, wh- why don't we take it a day at a time? Because, you know, I love you right now and you love me right now. And I want to be with you right now. and You want to be with me. So let's do that and we'll take it a day at a time and you know they have a moment where she's like you know Danny doesn't want to plan ahead till Christmas because of this and she's like a day at a time and it's a very healthy relationship because there's never like guilting her for that. She never guilts Danny for like needing to take it a day at a time wanting to take it slow like because it doesn't affect how they feel for each other in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She's not saying, I don't love you. or I don't really like you. I don't want to commit. She's just like, I just need to take the day at a time. And she respects that. And there's a mutual respect and understanding. And even before they fully get into their relationship, on the episode, I think, when they first kiss, in which Danny is telling her about her past, in which before she came out or realized, I guess, that she was a lesbian and she was going to marry her, like, childhood best friend, and then essentially kind of realized – This isn't who I am because I am in love with women and not men. Um, And she had to break it off with him. And, of course, he tragically dies right after she breaks it off. Like, and she feels so much guilt because of that. Which, like, then not only when she tells all this shit about seeing the ghost and everything that happens. Jamie, like, doesn't make her feel like you're crazy or whatever. She not only, like, accepts, like, okay, you see him. And you see him because you feel guilty but she's like you know you don't have to feel guilt because of that you don't have to feel guilt for wanting to live as you truly are like what was your other option like hide the fact that you're gay and like just marry this guy and go along with it so that he has a happy life like you didn't do any of this out of you know maliciousness or to hurt him like you literally tried to hold it off as long as you could because you knew it would hurt him like they just like clearly get each other and there's so much pure legitimate love there and then we see beautifully in the last episode like they're like five or six year like span of their relationship of like them you know you know traveling together and like settling in vermont and living together and opening a flower shop which is so funny because i brought up my friend emily who watched because of this relationship and I want to say maybe three years ago now, she showed us this movie called Imagine Me and You, which is this, um, I don't even know if it's a rom-com, but it's a lesbian romance movie in which this woman owns a flower shop and she's doing, like, the floral arrangements for this other woman's wedding and they end up falling in love with each other. So the second these two were, like, in a flower shop together, I was like, oh my god, it's that movie that Emily (laughs) showed me. Um, and I wonder if she made the same connection. Um... <clears throat> but I, I thought it was beautiful and then of course at the end and what's so crazy is like even though I was talking about like obviously like Peter Quint crying and making me feel things and like everything else being tragic I didn't cry at this point I didn't cried once during the show I definitely felt things and felt awful and like shit like that but I was like you know I hadn't cried yet and you know last night when I finished watching I watching and i was like blah 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 and then like the time comes that danny knows that the lady of the lake has overtaken her and she knows that if she stays she the rage will just consume her that she has no control over her, and she'll hurt jamie so she makes the ultimate sacrifice for her love which is to leave and then of course you get jamie going to Bly manor getting in the lake
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like oh There's a line, let me pull it up, that, like, she says, and at this point, it was like, I had no control over my body, bro, I swear to God. Like, I started sobbing. Actually, that's not even true. That's not even true. Um, I sobbed at the very end of the episode because, hold on, I want to just pull up this line to say it because it was literally broke my fucking soul. Like, where is this shit? She said, and it's being told by the storyteller, um, that's been narrating the whole series, um, Take me with you. She cried in her heart. Like, Mm. as she's, like, seeing Danny at the bottom of this lake. And she, like, does not. Oh, my God. I'm literally going to cry talking about this right now. (laughs) Fuck Mike Flanagan. She does not want to live without her. Mm. Like, and I think it's, like, really, really powerful. As a way of a lot of these messages that have been brought up in both Hill House and By Manor are where it's like yeah they use ghosts but it's ghosts as a metaphor for something else or what the fuck ever where it's like you know to love somebody so deeply and then to live without them like that's so that's the scariest thing forget about like a scary ghost like to have to go on with your life knowing that you can't do it with the love of your life anymore Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, bitch. I'm fucked up. <laughs> I am fucked up right now. Like, it was so fucking... I'm literally... You can't see me, but I have tears rolling down my face. I, I right believe now. it. I fully believe it. It's so sad. And then, of course, the reveal that the storyteller was Jamie years later and, like, all that shit. Um, the final moments in which... We realize that she's at Flora's wedding, but we also got told that, like, the kids when they left Blind Manor kind of forgot everything that happened. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into a whole rigmarole of the goddamn series. You guys no. will have watched it know what we're talking about. But then the last moment, we figure out that from episode one, her, you know, filling the sink in the tub with water and keeping the door open at night is in the hopes of seeing um, Danny in the reflection of those things. Because she mm. had seen the Lady of the Lake in the reflection before she completely lost herself. Or hoping that Danny will come in through the open door. And the last shot is, like, uh, Jamie falling asleep in the chair, facing the door like she always does. And we see a hand on her shoulder with the clodder ring that they had used as their uh, wedding rings. Um, And it just ends on that. And that was the moment, like, I had been like, oh my god, so sad, so sad, so sad. All of a sudden, like, no control over my body, started sobbing like completely sobbing my bed and I literally I shit you not out loud to myself in my dark room I literally out loud as I sobbed I was like what the fuck <laughs> because I was so confused as to why like I was I'm not even confused but I was just like why the fuck do y'all gotta do this to me every time because it's just so sad but so beautiful where you're just like the whole idea of like the people we love live on one through the stories we tell of them um, which is a huge motif, I think, in, like, a lot of ghost shit. Like, even think of that fucking movie Coco, which is so good. Like, that's the whole thing. It's, like, people live on, or their their spirit and their soul lives on through the memory of them. But then, you know, also, they the people we love live on in us when we choose to keep living. Like, and just, like, having that hand at the end and then the ambiguity of, like, is the hand there because Jamie has just silently passed in her sleep and it's going to be reunited with... Uh, why can I? What is her goddamn name? Oh my god, Danny. Danny, Jesus! I keep wanting to say like Dina. Christ, Danny. Or is it because Danny is always with her, because she always tells her story and keeps her memory alive? Um, it's huh. just
2: like it was so fucking beautiful, bro. Like, yeah, I mean, I kind of took that ending as like us seeing that Danny has always been with her. And Jamie just doesn't know. Yeah. You know? They're like, she's still there. She's still with her. And, like, she's not gone forever. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I think everything that you said is, like, completely, like, how I feel about all of it. I feel like I have, I think I have two, just two thoughts about their relationship in addition to what you said, which is that mm-hmm. I feel like it's very easy in media when you portray gay relationships to have to like establish up front that like this is a gay character this is a gay character okay yeah now they're gonna fall in love and i just feel like if you're not gonna tell me that a straight character is a straight character you don't need to tell me a gay character is a gay character like they're just people let me like learn about them as i go mm-hmm. and they never jamie's never like yeah i'm a lesbian or like and like danny's never like yeah i love i love women like it just we just learn about them as the series goes and how their connection just like is natural and just happens with ease and it doesn't feel like contrived or kind of you know forced in any kind of way Mm -hmm. so I thought that was very very well done I feel like that needs to be the standard for like any kind of relationship because like we don't need to be defaulting to, like, any specific gender, race, sexuality, anything. Like, if they are straight, gay, by whatever, you don't need to tell me. I'll understand when I watch it happening.
0: Well, someone I was talking to, not to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but they were saying, like, there's so many gay movies where the concept of the gay movie is, like, well, they had to love in secret because of yeah. the times and shit like that. Which it's, like, okay, yeah, if you want to be, like, historically accurate, what the fuck, ever. But it's also, like, you can be gay people are openly gay now. People are openly gay and it's normal. It's all this shit. Why don't we give people that portrayal of gay religion? Like, why is it they still only get these portrayals of like, well, it was in secret and everyone was like, this is disgusting and like shit like that. We're like this, yeah, it takes place in the 80s, but as you're saying, it never once feels that way. It never feels like we have to establish like, and she was gay. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's a plot point in the sense of like, she is doesn't want to marry a man. But even then, it doesn't feel overtly in your fucking face. It just feels like that was her personal journey with her gayness. Um, yeah, no, I and totally fact, agree. Yeah. And, yeah, and then it's just like, and nobody at the manor ever says anything or, like, mm-hmm. acts weird about it. They're like, they get it. It's two people in love. It's two people in love. It doesn't fucking matter. Even when they leave and they're in Vermont, the only time it gets brought up, really, is the fact that it's like, oh, well, because of the actual time, it was not legal for gay people to get married. But they still had their own, you know... Proposal and like you know okay. what we know that we're married in our hearts like right. they just let them have their authentic out loud love and it didn't have to be like m- watered down or like had to be seen through the lens of like and they were persecuted because they were gay and it was so hard for them to be together because they were gay and it's like we all know that that should happen mm-hmm. but I'm sure um, the LGBTQ community would like to just see the shit that the straight people get which is just a romance that's a romance it doesn't have to come with all this like and they couldn't because of this. like shut the fuck up people can be gay now so can we just get some romance movies and shit where like people can just be gay and it's not a huge thing where the huge plot point doesn't have to be that they're gay yeah
2: I mean I recognize that a lot of media does that because they want to represent the genuine hardships and struggles that people have had and still have in some parts of this country and in the world and like it's still not, like, it's still a lot easier to just be straight because there are people out there with prejudices and, you know, people in fucking office who want to limit people's rights. And Mm -hmm. so that's all valid, I understand that, but I also agree that it does not always need to be represented through this lens of tragedy where, you know, not every gay love story needs to be this, like, heartbreaking devastation of circumstance and they couldn't be together and now everything is like awful and sad but they loved each other. Like, why? What? What? Just let them love each other. Like, I would just like to watch a love story between any gender. I don't care as long yeah. as there are two people that I can root for and that have love for one another. Like, that's all I need. So, while I understand why a lot of films do that, I am very very happy and it's refreshing to see things like Bly Manor just represent it as they are without any of that extra bullshit that like doesn't need to be added just to create conflict and and, like drama you know right and the thing is like at the end of the day it's so easy to be like well historically Mm -hmm.
0: this happened people have to do that shit all the time and it'll be like you know a movie where there's vampires (laughs) it's like oh were there historically also vampires motherfucker like it's so easy for you to bend the rules on other shit that isn't real and wasn't that way but when it comes to shit where it's like you know representation of race or gender, or sexuality, it's like, well, that's how it was. That's how it was. And it's like, yeah, but it's also a fictional fucking story, and you can change it to be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Right.
2: So that was, like, my main takeaway from them. I just just thought it was done in a very, very respectful and genuine way, whereas, like, Mm -hmm. how Hannah didn't have to say that she was straight, and Owen didn't have to say he was straight, I'm glad that they didn't have to say that they were gay, because Mm -hmm. straight should not be a default, and you should not have to have a disclaimer of like oh by the way i'm not that so i thought that was excellent and i also feel like we've talked about it a little bit here and there where the three relationships the three main relationships with in my opinion hannah and owen as being the most tragic because they never really got to be together and yes. Re- rebecca and peter also being tragic in a different way of like desperately trying to be together but because, destroying each other in the destroy, process. absolutely whereas i feel like with Danny and Jamie, theirs is actually, while there are moments of tragedy and sadness, I actually view their relationship overall as very hopeful and very, you know, inspiring because mm-hmm. they get all of that time together. They, you know, she sacrifices herself for the love of her life. And obviously, Jamie has then gone on to live a long and happy life in her own way and still holds hold on to... Danny in her heart, and I think that that last moment is a very hopeful image of like, you know, she might not be able to see you, but she is there, and even the even when the loved people that we love leave us, they don't really leave us; they're still with us in some capacity. So I thought it was a very hopeful way to end the series, in the same way that Hill House ended on kind of a hopeful note. And yes. I mean, I'm I'm always someone who like would love to see like a vicious ending every once in a while, but when it comes to something like this where it's very you know heavy and tragic all the way throughout I love when it ends with like a little bit of hope and a little bit of joy and that so I feel like overall the relationship is just like a spark of of light amongst everything else in that gothic fucking world so it's very very well done and I think that the um well I'm curious just real quick do you think that the structure works with the wedding story did you like that did you not like that because at first I wasn't sure what do you mean the wedding story like I mean this whole show is just they're at Flora's wedding and Jamie is telling the story of what happened but when we first start watching it we don't know who any of these people are we don't realize that they're the people within the story
0: um yeah, I would say it word for me. I didn't feel like... I don't think I felt strong about it either way. It was like at mm-hmm. the beginning, I was definitely like, you know, we're going to come back to this and we're going to find out why we're doing this. Right. I think it works in the sense that, like, the whole thing is about love. Um, mm-hmm. And thus, the story is being told at before, the night before a wedding. Um, I think it's interesting after we realize that, like, oh, it's all these people grown up or years later, the survivors of all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really sweet because, one, then she... Flora, who probably forgot all of this shit Mm -hmm. um gets retold and even though she doesn't realize it's her it's like giving her that memory again of this woman danny who sacrificed so much to save her that night yeah um but then also what's interesting is the whole thing is like clearly um jamie i think she might have said it at the beginning like or whatever is like She changed details of the story, like names and shit like that. Like, she even says at the end, when someone's like, what if I went to England, went to Bly Manor? She's like, you probably wouldn't find any place called Bly Manor. Because she's changed just enough to, like, keep this hidden. Like, because she obviously probably doesn't want people to go there or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then people were saying that the picture, after that whole night, she talks to Flora, and she goes to the fireplace, and there's a picture of the fireplace. They were debating if it's a picture, a portrait of Bly Manor, Mm. which – I don't know why that would randomly be there in this like hotel thing. Um,
2: Well, aren't they at one of the family's estates? Isn't that the whole thing that they don't like being there? It's
0: spooky. Um, but yeah, um, I liked it, and then you know you get the moment at the end when they're all dancing and we see the younger versions of them. And it was just like really sweet because it's like clearly they had all built a family for themselves at Bly Manor. In that way, it does, once again, parallel Hill House of having a family structure. But this is like kind of like, you know, the whole thing where it's like, you know, your chosen family, the people that you choose to Mm -hmm. want to spend your life and your time with. I just thought it was really sweet and it was really heartwarming. But then I think that's also what really made me emotional is when you think about like, all the people that couldn't make it to that point. Yeah. Like, you know, Danny, because she sacrificed herself. Um, Hannah, because of her tragic, you know, fall down the well. Both Peter and Rebecca, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, Peter might have been there. He, like, he loved the kids for even though he wanted to, like. Because even that, that's so interesting, too, is, like, you know, he he seemed to care about the kids. But then it's, like, well, then he was so ready to, like, essentially, like, take over them for himself in a very selfish way which is also true but then once again and it's once and also it could be me giving into my Oliver Jackson go in love and also because you know even Rebecca says like you know you're very persuasive you really know how to talk and get what you want and convince people of things Mm -hmm. because he's telling them like oh I'm gonna tuck you away and you're gonna be with your parents forever so he even like is almost maybe convincing himself that he's doing what's right even if it seems wrong, because he's like, well, these kids, they miss their parents so much, and they've already dealt with so much tragedy. If I take we take over them, but we tuck them away in memories where they get to live with their parents and be happy and young forever, isn't that wonderful? So, yeah. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but That's fine. the wedding thing worked for me, I think, as much as it was supposed to. I didn't... It wasn't like... I was a profoundly impacted by the fact that it was, you know, bookended by this wedding, mm-hmm. but also, like, I got it, and it, it did work for what it was supposed to do for me. Yeah,
2: okay. Just curious. Um, did you have any other questions for me? No, I feel like those were the main things I wanted to touch on, but do you have any more questions? I know you had prepared some.
0: Um, I think we went through all of them. I mean, like, there's the whole thing throughout the series of, like, I know some people struggle to understand, like, the rules of the possession and the consent. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Did you? Did you no, struggle with it? I think I I think I got it. Once they explain it, it, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. It's just like, you know, the whole thing is like, yeah, they can enter people, but they can get kicked out really easily mm-hmm. if it's not like given consent with the it's you, it's me, it's us. Like you're yeah. giving me permission to join in you forever until I guess the ghost decides they don't want to be in there.
2: Um, well, so I feel like that the ghost sense. probably becomes more powerful with it throughout time. Just like. Being oh, yeah, the they're vessel. more skilled.
0: And I think – because I think people's confusion was at the end when, like, the curse is broken or whatever because Danny takes in the Lady of the Lake.
1: Mm-hmm. All
0: the ghosts, either that are not resisting people, get to finally move on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, like, Peter and um, Miss Flora, Rebecca, get pushed out of – Miss um, Jessel. Miss Jessel. What did I call her? Miss Flora. <laughs> Miss Flora. I mean, she was in Flora, so she yes. was technically Miss Flora. Um, Flora and Miles – and then, but people were like, "Well, if they could push them out again, why can't Danny push up Lady of the Lake?" But the whole thing is just like one: Rebecca and Peter have not been ghosts as long as the Lady of the Lake, so mm-hmm. like they don't have the skill she has.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And on top of that, it's just like the Lady of the Lake because she's been around longer, and because her whole character point is like being stubborn and not giving up. Like she's holding on to Danny. It's like the the only reason, and I almost feel like. Maybe there's a part of Danny that was choosing to hold on to the Lady of the lake, even though it was hurting her, and wasn't even actively trying to push her out because she knew if she, like, even if she could manage to push this woman out, like, her spirit would assumedly go back to Bly Manor, and then whoever the next unfortunate soul is to stumble upon there would meet the fate that all the others had in the past.
2: Yeah, Danny's so, such a selfless character. I really feel like a part of it was just that, you know, she's taken it on and she was just gonna keep that burden for herself because she didn't want anyone else to be hurt by it you know I feel like that's very up for interpretation but I, I definitely read it that way in some sense
0: yeah and I love the idea I mean there's just I, we have to wrap it up but there are some ideas I love I love the idea of being tucked away in a memory and the way that they like you know portrayed memory throughout the show like even you know I think about um Hannah's episode episode number five mm-hmm. in which where it's like Memory doesn't operate where it's, like, on a direct timeline. Like, even if you think about things when you think about moments in your life, good or bad, like, and you're recounting them, they don't just go and, like, well, this happened first, and then this happened, and then this happened. They come scattered and all over the place. So I loved how they represented memory like that and just the idea of, like, wanting to get stuck in a happy memory and, like, live there almost. But, like, also by living there, you're you're not really living anymore. You're, like, stuck in the past. So I thought all that was really, really interesting and like kind of hauntingly beautiful because I think it's something that most people can relate to whether it's about love family loss tragedy whatever it is um and of course you we love a dollhouse we love a dollhouse in horror whether it be hereditary type shit whether it be the house of the head from Creeks oh my show god Shudder. Love the house of the we fucked with that shit heavily
2: so good, so good. I did think of so that good. when I saw her dollhouse
0: oh yeah for sure um but, like, the fact that it's, like, you kind of figure out the whole time that then, like, which you kind of got, but it then, like, kind of fully comes together at the end, which is just, like, all the dolls are real people slash ghosts that are in the house, and they where they're positioned in the dollhouse is where they are currently, which is why yeah. the whole thing on the night, the first episode, when they lock her in the closet is because Danny ends up kicking the Lady of the Lake doll that usually lies under the dresser, which is symbolism for her lying at the bottom of the lake. She kicks it because it's in the middle of the floor, which means the lady of the lake is in the process of making her way across the lawn to the house. So to protect Danny so she doesn't walk out of her room and get caught or whatever, they lock her in the closet until they know the lady of the lake has gone back to the lake. Which, of course, in the first episode, we're like, these kids are fucking evil. I would fuck these little hoes up. (laughs) But then by the end, you're like, oh my god, they're so innocent and sweet and they just like... Wants what's best for
2: her. I never thought that they were being evil. I always thought they were trying to protect her.
0: Well, I think it's like the whole thing with Miles, I feel like, is more so because we don't realize that Peter's possessing right. him until later, where you're like, I know this little bitch did not just say that. Right. I know he did not just try to pull that shit, but then you realize that My- real Miles is very innocent and sweet and proper. Um, but then when Scottish Peter Quint Jesus has taken Christ. over, was like, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Albert Espincon, I'm really, really sorry. Really sorry. Um... Uh, yeah, I think... No, I was about to say some dirty shit. We no, I don't on. want to... We it. can't talk about it. Move on, move on, move on, move on. Um, Just, um, just
2: to... So my last thoughts, I just wanted to say, um, were two things that I didn't have a chance to sprinkle in, so I just wanted to say them now, which mm-hmm. is that I'm so pleased to have gotten a very, very well-made adaptation of um, Turning of the Screw, because mm-hmm. The Turning, which came out in January, was not good. Oh my God, bro. So... Thank you very much, Mike Flanagan. I mean... That was the worst movie ending <laughs> I've seen in it was maybe my entire life. so
0: bad. It was so bad. The way that we both watched it separately and both had the same experience of being like, there's what? no way it's going to end like right... But it was like, oh, what if it
2: ended right here? Cut to credits. Yeah, literally it was me and one other guy in the theater and he went, what? And I was like, same bro. I have no fucking clue what just happened. But this was a much better adaptation, so I'm pleased for that. And Anya, did you know that mm-hmm. um in the last episode you might i don't if you follow mike flanagan on twitter you probably know but um in that last episode when the ghosts are being released and um hannah says to henry tell him i love him and the rest while well, it's just and then it cuts that it was going to be confetti
0: yes i did see someone ask <gasps> me what was going to be confetti and he confirmed
2: he did and i was like
0: and i saw that tweet before i had finished the series me too so i was like oh sh- fuck you guys, you're really going to try to get me with that. And then I'm, like, waiting for it the whole time, and then
2: it happened, and I was like, god damn it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was very interesting. We love that line. It's devastating and beautiful. So, yeah, Yeah, a lot of parallels
0: between Haunting of Hill House. Which is, like, it's fun if you've seen Haunting of Hill House once again. If you haven't, it doesn't, it's not like you're not going to understand something. Like, no you you can watch the series and fully get it without having seen haunting house though we suggest watching both because we enjoyed both of them yeah
2: very good i do recommend as always any mike flanagan thing um but do you have any final thoughts um well oh god (laughs) i'm sorry i should rephrase do you have any final thoughts not about peter quint or oliver jackson cohen absolutely not i'm uh okay I'm all amazing <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thank you for
0: listening yes um yeah i i recommend um both series i think as we already said just kind of reiterating what we already said you know great series lots to praise in both of them there's something i think if you if hell isn't for you i think you should still give blind manor a chance because blind manor could really work for you if you've now watched blind manor go back and watch hell House if you haven't watched it but also like if it doesn't work for you, then rewatch by Manner*. I mean, like, it's just endless good content that you can revisit and that I definitely am going to revisit probably multiple times throughout the rest of my fucking life. Um, I hope they do a third season.
1: Oh,
2: they are. We right? should
0: end it on this final question. Yeah. If they did a third season, uh-huh. what haunted house would you want them to do?
2: Oh, it's tough because, it, I mean, both haunted houses so far have been based on literature. Right. So I don't know if I would want to go and do another... Oh, you know what? No, I I got I want. I mean, it's a very it's a short story, so it would be very much Mike Flanagan taking his own interpretation. But that's why he did the other two. I would like uh, the Yellow Wallpaper. I'm not familiar. No, oh my God, the Yellow Wallpaper is one of my favorite short stories. Uh, it's about a woman who gets put in a room by her husband, and <gasps> wait, starts, I know the story. I know she starts story. Yes, to I like lose scenario. it, and she sees a woman in the wallpaper. Mm. Yes, I love the Yellow Wallpaper. So good that's what mm. I would that's what I would like to see that would be interesting um
0: uh, <laughs> I was gonna say um I want even though it's supposed to be Guillermo del Toro making a movie for this I'm like uh-huh. I want Mike Flanagan to give us The Haunting of the Haunted Mansion
2: <laughs> that's what you want. Know, it works
0: I mean, it's silly, it's ridiculous, it would never happen. But, well, like, Haunted I'm Mansion just a like Haunted Mansion like... enthusiast as it is, and there's so many fun ghosts and folklore, not, not folklore, but, like, legend yeah. behind the Haunted Mansion that, I just want Haunted Mansion content, so whether it be Mike Flanagan doing some crazy-ass shit and doing a goddamn season on the Haunted Mansion, or Guillermo del Toro finally giving us the Haunted Mansion movie with Ryan Gosling. Um, but
2: you know that Mike Flanagan would make my, the, haunt, my God, I can't speak, the Haunted Mansion super fucking spooky, so I'm down for it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I trust the Haunted Mansion in either of those people's hands. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Well, there you go, Mike Flanagan. We gave you your next two project ideas. The way that you should employ us immediately. Oh, my God. Um, you can just employ me to compliment you all day. Deadass. I'll do the same thing.
0: I, I literally <laughs> will do the same thing. Um, But, yeah. So, that was The Haunting of Blind Manor. Um, those are our my deep dirty thoughts on Oliver Jackson Cohen and Alex's actually,
2: you know, intellectual thoughts in the actual show. No, just my Um, scared shitless thoughts on the Lady of the Lake.
0: Um, but yeah, so this concludes. I don't think we have any more October episodes for you guys. Oh my God, that's it. Unless we decide to be fucking crazy and surprise you, but also we're like, literally like... We don't have time, (laughs) Anya. We don't have time. Um, (laughs) so thank you so much, you guys, for, um coming on this October journey with us, coming on this podcast journey with us. It is so much fun to do this. And we're so grateful for everyone that listens and, you know, tells us their thoughts about the episodes. We love when you guys, you know, message us personally on our accounts, whatever, with your thoughts. Like we love that shit. So please continue to do so. Um, and we hope to, um, have you back for November because it's so funny. We're saying like, that's the end of the October content, but then like literally the following week after we release this, we're going to have our November episode coming out. Yep. 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 So once we get the November episode out, then you'll have so much, you know, open time for you to catch up on all our other episodes. that maybe you haven't got a chance to yet. Um, but you know, thank you for joining us here at Bly Manor. Um, you were expected and you came and we're so happy that you did. And, you know, as always, uh, keep it creepy. Bye
2: everyone. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.